Welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. Not just another episode, but episode 149. My name is Aaron, and with me as always is Dave and Fredo. How are we doing, guys? Good, good. Doing pretty good. So, welcome to St. Patrick's Day week. Yeah, so um, my my uh, events start in earnest uh, tomorrow, as Fredo pointed out in a text message. I'm, I'm playing from Wednesday through Saturday, um, so... I'll probably have to cut off my left hand because it will be dead from uh, guitar playing. So, um, but oh well, it will all be in good at, fun. At what, at what gig will you mix in the Gilligan Silent theme? At what? At what gate? What? Yeah, yeah, what gig? At what point are you going to be tired of singing the same songs over and over? So you're just going to like. Let me throw in the theme from Gilligan Silent so, and see if anybody notices. So it's funny. Well, I mean, I do that. I do that in a song anyway. I do it all the time. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it is kind of funny to see if anybody's paying attention. Um, because Yeah, Gilligan's Island actually is one of those. There's a couple There's several songs that have the same kind of uh, pattern and rhythm. So it's like to certain songs, like, for example, you can sing Amazing Grace to the tune of Peaceful Easy Feeling by the Eagles. You know, it's just because of the way that the the meter works. So, um, so I put in Gilligan's Island theme at the end of this. You know, for, I add a verse onto this Irish song, and uh, had a gig. Somebody came up and said, "Is that where the song came from?" Ah. <laughs> uh, no, um, no. But actually, there was one time at the session. It was funny. We were playing a bunch of reels, and then somebody started playing the Flintstones theme. And everybody just kind of followed along and played the Flintstones theme because it was like it's kind of fun. Um, so anyway, no, like I said, a lot of lot of Irish stuff going on now. Uh, Dave, you're married to an Irish lass. Yes. And are you Irish as well? I got a little bit of that in there. The name, yeah. the name sounds what the name your last name seems a little Irish. German. It's German. Well, then never mind. That's not Irish at all. Well, I'm half German, and then most Scots Irish on the other side mostly so how are you so patient i don't know one of the most patient people i know (laughs) um so i have to tell you guys also a funny little thing here so my sister is on spring break she is a a, an athletic trainer in in uh texas and she sent me a text and she said so i watched top gun maverick last night have you guys seen top gun maverick finally caught it yeah i have i have not so fredo you're gonna might get a kick out of this she said and I might have to find the exact text to um, to do it justice, but it was really funny. Um, said, um, let's see here. Do-do-do. I watched Top Gun Maverick yesterday, and I've determined that the plot was a combination of stolen ideas from Iron Eagle and Star Wars. If you remember the 80s movie, no. Iron Eagle... And she said, yes. she's like, you got all this, you know, airplane stuff going on. Then it's like they have to shoot their rockets into a, like a, a port that's like trench tr- run. a trench run. There's like a port that's like two meters wide or something like that. She's like, this is like Star Wars <laughs> and, and Iron Eagle. So the movie that everybody thinks is so awesome, which I haven't seen. And it probably is awesome if it's made up of like Star Wars ideas. So it's, I mean, uh, all I'll say is this, it's competently done well acted it's not the most serious movie 
but it it knows how to play with emotions. It it really does a good job of just getting your root for Tom Cruise and getting you to like the characters that you're seeing and kind of has a lot of emotional beats that kind of catch along the path. It's not the greatest movie ever. It's not it's not everything it's, everywhere it's all at the once. There's no since, depth there. Since Animal House, Caddyshack, yeah. or since Caddyshack now, but it's fun. It's it's. But in terms of enjoyment, uh, yeah, it's probably a good seven or eight out of ten in terms of just sitting back and just having a good time. Because which is more than I expected when I, they announced it, because I thought it was just going to be a cash grab. But really well done. Did you did you guys see uh, Iron Eagle in the eighties? Yeah, Louis Gossett Jr. and oh and yeah, that that was a guilty pleasure in One our house. Two. Well, they shouldn't have done. There was an Iron Eagle three. They should have stopped after Iron Eagle one. Um, so, uh, because I guess it was a fun. It was a fun movie. It was like I said, a guilty pleasure in our house. Um, you know, so. it's got a song from Queen in, in its soundtrack, which you there know you immediately ups the eighties. Yeah. It's like Queen and the Kenny Loggins. If you got that in your soundtrack, you know your movie's going up a percentage point. That's right. That's right. But but speaking of uh, Oscars uh, buzz recently, uh, I will toot um, mine and Freda's uh, own horn when we both on our favorite things of last year listed everything everywhere all at once. Um, it's worth watching. It may not be your favorite movie ever, but uh, it's definitely worth watching. I will, I will say the hardest thing about it is describing it to people because I, I might not during the academy awards broadcast my parents were asking me so what is it about and i kind of went like there's you know i, I went uh Inigo, Inigo Montoya. Like, yeah <laughs> yeah I, I went there is too much let me sum up basically because there's just too many genres mixed in too much and the kitchen sink put in but it's just so well done and congrats to the daniels congrats to oh, michelle yeah. yo kihoi kwan who you know i'm sorry if you're not happy for that guy you have no heart. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis, who, I mean, you know, the, the Nepo baby talk is like, wait a minute, she's actually, but she's under her stripes. So the whole movie was just awesome. So go see it. So stream it. So uh, last, last bit of a tangential, just banter. Um, so, you know, every morning I read, I have Google news feed that I go through and uh, there was an article from, I don't know, it's a comic book. So I don't know. It was it was just some like comic book fan site, um, but they ranked the most powerful ten most powerful superheroes, and I'm not going to read you the list because there was like a bunch of them that I had no idea who they were. Um, at the top of the list, lo and behold, was Superman number one. But what I found interesting, and this might be something to like, we might have to get Scott Colesby on to argue about these things. Because um, they had Wonder Woman as more powerful than Captain Marvel. Now, I know that Wonder Woman is descended from gods. But, uh, you know, Captain Marvel also kind of, I mean, you know, supernatural yeah, power. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, so this this seems like something that we could have a really big nerd fight over. Um, because I one time asked, you know, Colesby about Endgame. I was like, why did, you know, why wasn't Captain, where was Captain Marvel? He's like, if she would have been there at the beginning of the fight, then it would not have been a fair fight. It would have been done. Just, it, would, it wouldn't have been any suspense at all. So I was like, okay, I got that. But then I'm like, I, I don't know. Do you think Wonder Woman more powerful than Captain Marvel? Is that uh, 
I can't give you the reasoning right now because it was 5.15 in the morning, but. Uh... There's a debate to be had there, but, you know, uh, you know, it's interesting. You know, Captain Marvel's powered by cosmic energy and whatnot. Also, I'm sorry. Wonder Woman's Wonder Woman. Uh, Thor was more powerful than Captain Marvel in this ranking as well. That's that's interesting. I, that's those, not those the way were... MCU plays this up. So, what's fun about these sorts of debates? And again, like I don't think like a definitive ranking makes any kind of flipping sense because like right. the idea is that in any given situation or scenario so-and-so could get the upper hand on this other person um and that's where the drama comes out and, and where it becomes interesting it's like would you know wanda maxima be you know more powerful than well, captain it's... marvel in a particular situation maybe um but again like the circumstances would dictate all of that and that's what i love about you know those those articles or like podcasts where it's like it's the meme that says you know you know, Thor, you know, Wonder Woman is more powerful than Captain Marvel. Prove me wrong. You know, it's just just take a stance and tick people off. And that's how you get people listening and engaging. You know, um, it's you know, it's what good teachers do. It's like you don't always, you know, when you're trying to get people to interpret literature or interpret music or something like that. Sometimes you say, or it's, it's, you know, I've said it on here. That's what I do sometimes is I say the ludicrous thing to get you guys fired up. So. Well, it's, it's much in the same way. I mean, and, and, you know, sports fans have that same debate whenever, whether we're talking LeBron versus Michael Jordan or Tom Brady versus Joe Montana. So there's, you know, which one's better than the other. And at some point, yeah, you're going to have people are going to land on one side, people are going to land on the other. And it's a million and one reasons why you pick one over the other. So anyway. it's subjective. It's up to you. So y'all listening on this let, let us know do you think that thor is more powerful than captain marvel or you know um and should superman be at the top but anyway um all right let's do a little bit of star wars trivia tonight we're going to be talking about some bad batch and it's not uh, again we're not going to go synopsis of we're, we're going to talk about the episodes that we haven't really been talking about and just kind of where this uh um series is going it's a uh, um some really intriguing things have been happening the last couple episodes. So, um, yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll be hitting on that here after some news, but first some trivia and I am not going to give this question. Um, I read it while Fredo was talking, so it doesn't count. Um, so I'm skipping over that one. If that question, by the way, was what color is the glove that Luke wears over his damaged hand? Come on. Um, but anyway, all right. Yeah. So Dave, you get the first one. What planet is Anakin on when his lightsaber ends up hacked in half? It's in it's in your favorite prequel movie. Well, that I'm not even sure that helps. Um, I, I, Geonosis. It is Geonosis. Yeah. Mm, yep. Yeah. When uh, he gets up from the machine and holding it half half a lightsaber in his hand. Obi Wan's gonna kill me. Best, mm. however, I will say, Attack of the Clones has one of the best lines um, in any Star Wars movie. When said, "Why do I think you're going to be the death of me?" You know, it was like that was that was that was a nice little you know, har har. My favorite little my favorite little delivery there is when he says, "Oh, we thought we'd come rescue you," and Obi Wan just looks up at his chains and goes, "Good, good job. job." Yeah, it's just perfect deadpan, just 
you know, <laughs> might as well not have tried. I feel like Anakin got his lightsaber cut in half in the Dooku fight too, because he had two sabers at one point. One of them got sliced, like disabled. Did he get sliced so, like, in half or just get kind of knocked out of his hand? I don't know. That's a good. That's a good question. But it wasn't his at that point, I in, guess, because he'd Revenge, already in lost. Revenge of the Sith, right? Yeah. No, and the, mm. the end of Attack of the Clones. Oh, he's still in Geonosis. He's coming at him with two sabers, um, but neither of them were his. And I guess like that's the distinction. Possession mm. is nine tenths of the law. Um, mm. All right, Fredo. What industrial guild is led by the mechanically enhanced technocrat Watt Tambor? Is that the techno union? That is the techno union. Which always went like this. Exactly. Pants and boots and pants and boots and, boots and, boots and, boots and pants and boots and pants. And, yeah. Their DJs are amazing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> so the one, one I look at, who interrupts Han and Leia's first kiss? Well, I mean, inter- I don't think interrupts is the word that we would probably, the phrase we would probably use, we'd probably use something else. But anyway, we'll say interrupts. Um, but that would be C-3PO. C-3PO with the C-3PO block. That's right. That's right. Um, By the way, okay, so I I sent you guys, um, I've talked about uh, Screen Crush several times on this podcast on YouTube. So the people listening, go check out their their, uh, page because they had a very interesting, they're pitching some ideas of where we're going with the Disney plus series and possibly like, so these are all speculations, but they're thinking of like a star Wars Avengers. Um, like you're going to have, and we've talked about a little bit, the meeting up of maybe skeleton crew and Mandalorian and Ahsoka and Boba Fett and Fennec Shand. And, you know, all those characters to take on one big baddie real quick. Uh, just, we'll just take two minutes. What do you guys think of that idea? If it was to culminate in a Disney plus series or maybe just a standalone movie, a la the Avengers. Um, um, mo- most of these shows that sort of cross over um, would allow for that. Um, Cause you have, you have the book of Boba Fett, you have Mandalorian and you have, um, ahsoka coming out and like i said skeleton Um, crew as well so there's there's i mean again like when you you build a building block on top of another building block and you ultimately get to a point where um you can do that and that's that's very much what the comic book universes have done um uh you know like a television example of that would be the marvel's uh defenders stuff right Mm -hmm. um they did that where they had a here's a series on top of another series and then eventually we're going to bring everybody together um but do you think it would be a good idea is that something that would interest you as far as because you were saying last week just give me a star wars movie what if that star wars movie was all these things that this type of concept i don't i don't know if i'd want it to be that just because of the access factor i love that people can just like come to a movie and watch it and enjoy it and not have to like think about what it is and where it came from and who are all these characters. I know a couple of these characters, but who's that person over there? Um, anything like that, that's still kind of a barrier for, for star Wars. <laughs> well, we will be talking about that during bad batch conversation. That might be a good segue. <laughs> mm. you, you have very good, you have a very good point. Um, Fredo, what do you think? Yeah, Would, I, was that something you would uh, be 
turned on by? I'm not against it. No, I'm not against it, but I think and Dave brings up the point, the example I want to bring up, which is Marvel's Defenders, which for those of you who don't know, Netflix had access to some of Marvel's properties, Daredevil, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and they did a good job, Iron Fist aside, for a specific reason, in setting up Defenders as the eventual team up of these heroes against the, the forces they were going to fight. Defenders, the series itself, didn't come off as well, though. And I think that kind of gets to what I was going to say, which is it's all about execution. Because it can come off really, really well, or it could come off as force. Like you're trying to shoehorn the ghost, the crew of, you know, the of skeleton crew next to Boba Fett and Ahsoka. And while there is a level of fun and entertainment scene, all your heroes together in one place, again, the Avengers mashup, so to speak. It's, you know, for, it's a lot of, one of the things that Marvel does well is it makes that feel organic. So that even though, like, hey, Daredevil turns up in She-Hulk, or, you know, Captain America is in somebody else's story, that kind of thing, where they all turn up in one another's universes and or storylines, and it doesn't feel out of place. I think, where, you know, because we've seen Boba Fett in Mando's storyline, it felt natural to bring Mando back, likewise with Ahsoka with Mando. It's going to be interesting to see if we bring Boba Fett and Ahsoka together, because I don't think they've had interactions yet uh, on a serious basis outside of what we saw in Clone Wars, but we haven't seen them in live action. So I think it's all about execution. That's really my point. It's If you're going to do it, you got to nail it. Otherwise, it's going to feel... I think it sounds cool. So that's all I'm going to say about it. I think, I think it would be a, a cool thing for them to do. Um, and I will also say that the first time I saw the Avengers, yeah, I was a little off kilter because this was way back when, this when I lived in Nebraska, watching a little bit of Avengers. Still kind of knew who people were. Some people I didn't, but I still, you know, enjoyed what I watched of it. Um, so, I don't know. Might be cool. Um, One brief thing to say, too, is I just the. If you don't do it, I think you risk alienating some people by not doing it because people were like, well, you have all these characters and you have all these actors signed up and you're not going to bring them together. Like, what's the point? Um, so I think like on that level, they're not obligated to do it, but it would be a missed opportunity. I mean, like you're not going to have that opportunity 15 years from now, potentially. So. That's what I And Disney's going to want you to do it just from a marketing synergy strategy standpoint. Just, you know, the idea of them owning all these characters and having them all right now, when you can bring them together, it's not going to, you know, cost them much more to put Rosario Dawson in the same room as Pedro Pascal and uh, Tamora Morrison and then Jude Law. They could do that. So right now you probably could do it. You can't do it 10 years from now. So anyway, let us know on Twitter. You know, reach out to us. Let us know what you think if you would like to see that type of thing. It might be kind of fun. Um, but all right, well that's that's enough of me uh, wasting everybody's time on that stuff that I've been thinking about. Let's go to uh, some news. We got about three things to touch on here. So Fredo, yeah. First bit of news, and this is something that uh, uh, came out earlier in the week. Actually, uh, I don't you know, late last week, they have announced officially from a certain point of view, Return of the Jedi. So 
if you guys recall, we had the former seven point of view, A New Hope, from the seven point of view, uh, Empire Strikes Back, where we talked to Brittany. This is now the continuation of that. So um, they're going to have a whole, you know, it's going to be in honor of the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi's release. Although this is coming out on September 5th and it's available for pre order. They say they're going to have 40 storytellers exploring the story of Return of the Jedi through the eyes of supporting characters, including heroes, villains, droids, aliens, and creatures. So that includes such stories as uh, one that gives you a chilling glimpse into the mind of Palpatine, one talking about the Rancor Keeper. So have they, have one, they, they've announced all of them, have they? Yeah, well, they've announced all the authors. They've only announced some of the storylines. Okay, so Rancor so, Keeper. Okay, go ahead. Uh, they got one exploring the life and times of the Sarlacc. Uh, they got one on Mon Mothma's secret mission to save the Rebel Alliance, which makes me wonder if that one's going to be considered canon, given we're still waiting for um, Andor Season 2. Another one talking, chronicling Wicked the Ewoks quest for one quiet day on the forest moon of Andor. <laughs> just want to go home and relax and you know anyway and then they're going to have a final one on anakin skywalker becoming one with the force That's now nice. some of the authors yeah so they have authors including olivia blake charlie jane sanders mary kenny mike chen you know the whole slew of different authors of different kind of stories so again if you've read the previous two iterations you kind of know what the idea is it's you're gonna get a little snippet of what the movie showed you and extrapolate a story out of that. And quick again, it's available. Quick um, gut gut reaction. You can't think too long. What story would you want to hear, Dave? Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll start. I'll start. Bomar Monk, okay. the spider dude with the brain in it. The Bomar Monk. I want a Bomar Monk story. I think they alluded to this, but like the 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 Bothans. <laughs> I want to uh, hear okay. about the Bothans. There you go. Many Bothans. <laughs> uh, for me, actually, I'll go with one. I'll go with Rex. I want them to give me a story with old man Rex as part of the rebel in, in, you know, oh. insurgent team. <laughs> there you go. That'd be fun. Because he's in there. They've Don't, told us, but... And- and ladies and gentlemen, those are fun books. Those are really, those are really cool books. Mm-hmm. I, I dig the concept behind it. Um, and I wonder if, if they'll do it for the prequels and if they would be as powerful. But uh, I guess we'll find out. Um, well, that's just interesting because right now, I mean, they're doing them for the 40th anniversary of the original trilogy. And we're about to come up. Well, I'm trying to think. 1999. Coming up on 25. You know, I don't know. I will will say this. There's a a bit of a difference. Dave Filoni has been doing a a lot of work on explaining a lot of stuff that happened between Phantom Menace and A New Hope. So so I think that that, uh, ground has been covered adequately. So I I don't think we need to hear about the Death Stick salesman. You, you sure you don't want to get a Captain Tanaka uh, storyline or Captain Tanaka? So anyway, <laughs> there's there's a lot there's a lot of fun ground they could cover <clears throat> from some of those side characters. The Waddle Chronicles, how he's how he's about to uh, uh, you know really stick it to this goofy Jedi guy. 
Uh, moving on right quick. Uh, so because of all the interviewing that John Favreau has been doing, he was speaking to Movie TV, M-O-O-V-I. He liked the uh, Kevin Smith burger chain, okay, Dave? Uh, so they're asking him about, you know, continuity around, you know, Star Wars media and uh, kind of the period they're working. So he gives an interesting tip and he goes, there's, quote, there's a definite, there's definitely a conversation that's going on. And then also what happens after the sequel trilogy? Because the sequel trilogy only takes place over the course of a few years. And it's a big thing on the screen. It's eventful, eventful, sorry. But it's a relatively brief moment in history. So what happens after it is interesting too. And I know that there's some discussion, exploration going on about what happens after it, after the sequels. Um, so I think that there are certain markers that we have, almost like studying ancient history, where you have to kind of know a few things that happen, but there's a lot of murkiness in between. So it's interesting that he's talking about how apparently they're already having discussions about the post Rise of Skywalker, Star Wars universe. Kind of what we have. I mean, right now, the Mandalorian, Ahsoka, Boba Fett, Skeleton Crew is taking the place in between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. But they're already having discussions about after Rise of Skywalker, which, if you love me, I will lean into something because the other bit of news that I have was um, remember we talked last week about there's the uh, a couple of movies that have been kind of shelved, the uh, Patty Jenkins, the Kevin Feige. Then we were talking about potentially Taika Waititi's movie coming out. Well, there was another movie that was in the works, which is being written by Damon Lindelof. And uh, apparently, well, this conjecture from Star Wars News Net, so there's, apparently there's a report, to, according to uh, Jeff Snyder, saying that um, it looks like his script, Damon Lindelof's script, is finished. And that they're looking at that as being the movie that'll come out Christmas 2025. Apparently, they already have a third. They do have a director lined up. They already have actors being cast, and uh, it's apparently going to be announced uh, during celebration next month, which is taking place in London. And uh, apparently, the rumor there is is that it would be set after Rise of Skywalker. So here we got John Favreau on one hand saying. Yeah, we're having discussions within Lucasfilm about what the galaxy in Star Wars would look like beyond uh, Episode Nine. And here's another rumor about potentially we're going to get in the next movie is going to do that, just that. So cool. As long as long as there's a crawl. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, we didn't get the crawl. For the uh, the other two sort of spinoff movies, it's kind of reasonable to assume that they won't do it because they've established that as being their stylistic choice now that you don't get the crawl unless it's uh, episode ten. But that's my question: Would we consider whatever the next movie is to be a spinoff, or would we consider it to be a continuation of the saga? And that's and that's where, that's where it gets interesting to me because they clearly made a point about how Rogue One and um, Solo were not part of the. I mean, there were movies within Star Wars, but they were not part of the see, episodic saga. See, I I think um, uh, there's an easy way to explain it. They could, I mean, 
they could say, yeah, one through one through nine was the Skywalker saga, but we still have Star Wars, and now we're talking about other stuff. It, it doesn't have to be about the Skywalker lineage. It does not have to be. And I would, if they, if that's all they said, I'd be like, cool, that's fine. You know that we're just, you know, it's it's more of a, you know, the macro is about Republic politics. The micro was about the Skywalker lineage. You know what I mean? And so you can still have the macro and just now we're focusing on, because that's always one thing that bothered me is like, you know, and the, the original trilogy, we're talking about a pinpoint. You know, we're talking about five people in a huge galaxy. You know, it's like, so there's more stuff that's going on. And like I said, I, I guess I would have no problem saying, okay, cool. You know, <laughs> so I don't, but it's also, uh, but it's also good, but you make a good point about the crawl because I mean, we're accustomed to, we see the big star Wars logo to open up as the fanfare kicks in and then they get the crawl, which is really almost like the allows you to kind of set your brain into, okay, I'm about to watch a star Wars movie. You know, this is, you're entering this universe. It's almost like when you see the opening credits to a show or you begin, you, know, you begin fleeing. It's, it's the start. It's okay. You're watching Star Wars. So the idea that they would do away with that feels weird, at least on the movie level. I mean, I know they've done it, but and I at didn't least mean to, for the next movie where you know. I didn't mean to get us down a rabbit hole on that. I was just alluding back to what, you know, Dave was saying last <laughs> no, but, week. No, but, it's, it, but it's, it is one of those things where, it you know, there's. But like, it connects. Like, it connects the stuff. We don't, I mean, yeah, and we no. don't, and we don't need to see Ray, Finn, and Poe. I, I would like to, don't need to. You know, mm-hmm. we can talk about them, you know, but uh, we can just tell a new dang story, you know. Would it be weird if they went all in and said, this is episode 10. Here we go. Because, like, no. there's not a 20 they should years s- gap. They should skip to episode 15 and throw everybody way off. I mean, just, you know. Or they don't have to, they don't even have to have a number. It could just be a new Star Wars movie with a crawl. We've talked about that. So it doesn't even have to be episode 10. It could just be a movie that takes place after episode nine. So anyway. I do miss the crawl. I want the crawl back, but I don't think we're going to get it with this project. Um, But I don't know. We'll see. So that's it for the news. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, all right. Well, uh, let's let's uh, talk some some bad batch. From if we're wrong here, Dave, but I think the last episode we talked about in earnest was the one with Gunji. Was that Tribe? It might have been. Yeah. So so since then, then looking at Wikipedia, we've had the Clone Conspiracy, Truth and Consequences, The Crossing, Retrieval, Metamorphosis, and The Outpost. Um, 
so the clone conspiracy let's just let's just t- again we, we just maybe just do a couple like like 30 second um you know kind of what we remember of these episodes um but the clone conspiracy that is when uh, you know at the end palpatine makes his triumphant return into the senate and uh they get the bill passed um to uh do away with the clone troopers and um bring in i guess uh enlisted people um for it to be stormtroopers um so we were back to politics in our star wars what'd you think of it dave i was fine i mean seemed a little the whole thing at the end where it's like oh we did exactly what he wanted us to do you know like really not i don't think you really did the the whole thing about palpatine is that like he can twist any situation to his advantage he's a, he's a puppet master and so yeah and so it's not like oh we did the wrong thing by opposing him here and and fighting him so hard it's like well no no like i don't think you understood very well what was what was actually at play there which is like he just he just twisted it. It's like he's an opportunist. He saw that things unfolded a certain way, and he just took advantage of it. And so, um, and, I, and I don't know, like, his spin <laughs> struck me as kind of, uh, you know, far-fetched and dorky. But again, like, we deal with that every day in the current political arena where people are just constantly spouting nonsense at us. And, uh, well, you know, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't, obviously the biggest thing that Dave Filoni has to explain with the Bad Batch is what happened to the clones. That's, that's the biggest thing that has to be explained away. And there's really no good way to do it. Um, but I thought this was rather quick. It actually, to me, made total sense being a political junkie it is what that's what politicians do you know it's like um you know you've heard the the expression you know never let a uh, a good crisis go to waste you know or what mm-hmm. it was something like that i mean it's if you think back to 9-11 i mean a lot of things it's like hey we can get a lot of things pushed through that people who wanted a more you know uh, i mean there's there's a lot of that because you were preying on people's emotions of the time now, what did you think though about we had a we had a clone who was trying to uh, assassinate other clones and the senator, and then he ends up like chewing on a cyanide tablet and like right out of Captain America and you know, um, and so we don't know who this is or what's going on. Hail Hydra! Right. I mean, what did what did you what did you think about that? Did it's like they they seem to put a piece of intrigue in there that like just stuck out like a sore thumb like it wasn't it wasn't needed yeah it's interesting because on the one hand we know we as the audience know who's pulling the strings behind everything what i find interesting you know about um that whole arc was the empire doesn't really need to find a reason for getting rid of the clones you know they're they're manufacturing a reason they're coming up with a reason but in a weird way it's not like they uh 
have to justify that. That's one of the fun bits of it being an empire and what the emperor says goes. Um, but it's uh, it's surprising that they're going about it, but it's also surprising that they are making, I, I guess it's also almost more having to do with how Filoni and his uh, crew of writers are seeing it is, you have an audience that's invested years on these characters, characters like Rex, like Cody, like Echo, like the Bad Batch. And now we're going to see their, start to see their demise because as far as the Empire is concerned, they're all tech, they're all technology. They don't, you know, they, they have served their purpose, got to get rid of them now. And uh, you can't just simply shut them down like you can the droids. Uh, so they're, but they're going around it in a way to justify doing what they're doing, even though they don't need to. And and by the way, I have to say we've been actually talking about the clone conspiracy and truth and consequences at the at the same time. They they kind of blend into one another. Yeah, it, it is so. Um, so anyway, I mean, this was the the big. All right, we're figuring out how the the clones are getting are getting pushed out. Um, so the next episode up is the crossing so it says the bad batch travel in the marauder to the to a desert planet uh to go to an ipsum mine where um that uh sid has purchased um so this is when they get uh trapped in the mine and the marauder gets stolen um and uh if we can then also talk about the one that comes after that um which is retrieval retrieval when they get their ship back so basically we get um uh what do you you want to say it's uh a bunch of kids working in a mine for a for a, a mean dude and uh they end up overthrowing him star wars What'd you say? Star Wars Oliver Twist. Yeah, yeah. Star Wars Oliver Twist. The thing, the thing or Temple that, of Doom. The thing I thought that was interesting here was that they were, I mean, they were telling the story of the rebellion. I'm again, I'm going to go into at a at a micro level, you know, where you, I mean, you have the evil. We did talk about this episode um, in one of our previous podcasts, but you have the guy who's you know eating up all the food and then giving them just little scraps. Um, and so, I mean, he obviously symbol was a symbol for the empire. And then the, the kids who were working in the mine were people who rebelled against it. So, um, but it, you know, so it, the, it, it seemed to me that that they were, what they're setting up here is that people are starting to not dig the empire and starting to fight yeah. back. So you can put this with Andor, you can put this with, um you know star wars rebels you can i mean so it's just another kind of chess piece i suppose i don't know what do you think about these two episodes and do you think by the way we're ever going to see that little thief kid again because he says hey if you ever need a thief give me a shout yeah maybe uh i you know the, these episodes stood out to me for the interplay between uh, tech and omega uh, in particular, and um, him having to sort of come to terms with the fact that they've got a kid in their midst and he can't just be um, a walking 
thesaurus all the time. He actually has to try to engage with her on a human level. Yeah, have empathy. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like But he did say like, something well, no, really this... interesting. He, I'm sorry, he did say something really interesting that yeah. I think is is worth worth pointing out. It's like just because I don't have like basically I'm paraphrasing, but basically because I don't show my emotions doesn't mean I don't care. You know, it's kind of like, I mean, it's just because I'm not walking around with a big smile on my face and laughing doesn't mean that I'm not happy. You know, just because I didn't cry when, you know, this thing happened doesn't mean that it didn't move me. And Omega is very much the opposite of tech, you know, as far as she has, I mean, empathy is a huge part of her, you know, of her makeup. So, but I did find that really interesting that, uh, you know, Hey, just because I don't, you know, walk around with my emotions on my sleeve doesn't mean that I don't care. So again, it's tech also well, coming think- into his coming into, you know, saying, Hey, I'm tired of being ignored here. I'm, you know, these, this is how I operate. Sorry. No. And I think, uh, for Dave gets back in, I think that's what makes this, these episodes so interesting. It's, because these episodes at the end of the uh, Clone Conspiracy arc, Echo leaves with Rex because he feels the pull of duty that he has to his fellow uh, clones, demanding that he leave the Bad Batch. And for Omega, who's seen Crosshair turn against them, is now seeing Echo leaving. There's a sense of her family being split up. And that's why she's looking for that emotional reaction. I mean, uh, Hunter and Wrecker understand and accept where Echo's coming from. And Tech also does, but he's not being supportive, throwing an arm around her. And I think, you know, they almost need, you know, these, the particular first episode when they're trapped allows them to bond in a way that's different from the way she's bonded to Hunter or Wrecker, where Hunter's almost like a surrogate dad and Wrecker's more like a big brother. You know, this was a way to connect with tech in a different level, but that still values that bond. So that was interesting because of what we get in the two episodes later. But anyway, we also got a healing um, on the level of uh, her getting the uh, ship back. Um, and, and like that was she explained very clearly, like, I'm connected to this ship. This is an extension of our family. This is our home. Um this is this is where we live. This is this is this is our place. And so um, for her, it's a deeply personal connection. And that's why it was so important to her to get that ship back. You know, the rest of them were kind of like, well, you know, it's a ship. We'll get another ship. It'll be fine. Um, and she's like, no, I just lost Echo. I don't want to lose my home. Um, and so like that's relatable. And uh and I liked just seeing like these little moments of healing that are occurring here. Um, I wouldn't say they've like sort of moved past uh, Echo leaving the team, but like I think these were necessary steps for them to take. If, and again, I, I suspect that we're going to see Echo again. How uh, how tempting do you think, or how how tempted do you think they were to make the little thief kid? A young Han Solo. How tempting wouldn't have surprised me, although <laughs> I mean, you think yeah, some somebody me. had to have put you know you know pitched that, and it's like 
No, we can't do that. Uh, all right. So but then just, just right quick, because we do have, I mean, in Rebels, we saw that happen all the time, where characters who would be part of one arc in one, uh, in season one or season two, were there at the end in season four, coming back together. So yeah. it's already been shown that they know how to do that and like doing it. Yeah, you got to get the people in place so you can use them all in the finale. Yep. So now we start uh, kicking things up. And kids, if there was ever a moment when you needed to do the homework, Metamorphosis is that episode. Because, oh my good lord, are the Clone Wars fans, the people, I mean, the people who are Clone Wars fans, not like me who has watched the clone wars and like it but i mean the people who that was their star wars growing up oh my good lord are they excited because the zillow beast was in this episode um and i had to go dumpster diving into disney plus to find out you know it was like season two i think and the zillow beast is this creature that feeds off energy and and like basically eats power lines and grows. I don't know. Am I getting that wrong? That's basically what he does, right? And mm-hmm. so, I mean, so in this episode, there's uh, basically we find out that the, I'm going to say the cloners, you know, the people who are wearing the patch, like uh, the dude from uh, Dr. Pershing from uh, The Mandalorian. And we, we saw them wear it with the patches, the Camino patches uh, at the end of last season of Bad Batch. Um they're transporting like they were trying to transport the Zillow beast. So it's like, what are cloners wanting with the Zillow beast? So, I mean, so I mean the whole episode was just, we're chasing after this thing and trying to catch it. But there's the bigger question of why did the, why the, what the empire want with them? And I believe it's also this episode when we get, uh, um, the Camino Prime Minister, as he said, they need to, they need to get Omega, um, because mm-hmm. she's got you know something special going on. The Force, but anyway. Well, she's yeah, she's somebody that Nalase or it's Nalase, it's um, Nalase, the chief, yeah, the chief scientist from Camino, values her highly, and we saw that at the start of the Bad Batch. So she means something to Nalase, and. The prime minister of Camino Lomas, who says, "That's your end to get her to come work for you." I think uh, that might be the only thing that he really knows, or at least the only thing he's willing to disclose well, about the, her a, is that they those two have a close relationship. I think it's the latter, Dave, because you said is, that's the only thing he's willing mm-hmm. to disclose. Because you remember, there's in an earlier episode, they were talking about their special project and they were alluding to, and they were talking about Omega. And, um, so he knows why she is special. And let's remember, she is a quote unquote defected clone. But so again, the empire is rounding up all of these things. I don't know. What do we, uh, yeah, I, yeah. It was, it's kind of, it's kind of obvious that like you get baby Yoda, you know, in Mandalorian, it's like, we can, it's a logical step to say, okay, well, the emperor's trying to 
or somebody's trying to figure out how they can, you know, clone the emperor and give him force powers. Um, but now we're using, there is some of that. Yeah, go ahead, Fredo. Yeah, there is some of that. And part of me looks at it from the standpoint of what I found most interesting about this episode was weirdly enough, the reaction of the Imperial forces. Cause in the episode, they're trying to, the ship crash lands on this planet. The bad bad tries to find out what went, what happened. Find the syllabies, try to flee from the syllabies. Syllabies escapes, gets into the nearby town where people see it. Some of the locals see it. And what does the Empire do? Clamp down. They get the syllabies back. They immediately start uh, rounding up anybody who may have seen anything. So it tells you that this is important mm. to the Empire. This isn't just some, oh, we're just rounding up all these goofy creatures and whatever. No, the, whatever they're doing has some sort of value or sufficient value that they're willing to just wipe a, wipe a uh, city out of the map of a planet. Just them like that. Yeah, it, it ties in with uh, some of the stuff we saw in uh, the Andor series where where it's just like like the heavy foot of the Empire and, the, and then just giving no sort of quarter to anyone. Um when 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 they deem it necessary or appropriate um which appears to be often um but in this case in particular it makes sense these these are they don't want anybody knowing they're doing these cloning experiment experiments and everything again like none of this stuff came to light until rise of skywalker really i mean like maybe some of the baby yoda stuff will will eventually learn more um but it's like Emperor trying to clone himself, you know, that didn't that didn't come out for, you know, 30 yeah. years. And so it ahead. was secretive is what I'm saying is it, it's like, yeah, of course it was secretive. Of course, they were like stomping people out who might have a hint that this is the kind of experimentation that they were doing. And and we are I mean, we're we're speculating and assuming, but our, I mean let's let's say that we're we're right and they're trying to clone these you know various you know powerful creatures aren't they writing themselves into a big plot hole that doesn't fit in the original trilogy because otherwise you know it's kind of like they're they're trying to fix why don't we see any clones in the original trilogy we have to explain that it was a political movement and that's why they're not you know stormtroopers not clones but in the meantime now they're creating this arc of the empires using cloning to you know um try i suppose try to find the powers of you know get the powers of different beasts or you know beings or whatever it's like to what extent is it just for the exegol payoff in you know episode nine i think that would be uh Man, that's a lot of work just to explain not. away that, yeah. you know. It's like so how I, I, I hope not. And I hope we don't get another special edition where all of a sudden we get like the Red Hulk running around, you know, Coruscant or something. Um so No. Yeah. I'm just going to say I hope that's not the case. I hope that they're not trying to retract and explain away because hey, we got away with it with Clone Wars. So we're able to fill in all these holes, quote unquote, all these gaps. And make the story more cohesive and better. Let's try that again with the whole plot point of episode nine, which is somehow Palpatine return. I hope that Lucasfilm is not trying to retroactively make that something well, that they're trying I, to fix. I think they are. I, 
However, I think they are. However, I have no idea. I'm hoping I'm hoping that they put a bow on it at the end of like the Bad Batch series by, you know, saying that, you know, show them maybe maybe they create something that is just god awful and then they destroy it and he's like, "Okay, we can't do this anymore." And then Palpatine just, you know, calls over one person and says, "Hey, you know, but let's keep this tech, you know, so i don't know i it's just it seems like they're writing themselves into a like i said a big plot hole of why don't we see a big zillow beast running around you know um anyway but it was interesting i'm glad that the cloners are back because that's the thing at the end of last season where it was like what are they doing and then it's taken them how many episodes to get there Um, and and we know that the cloners still play an important role because they're around for six years after the Empire's done because they're still running around with uh, Grogu. So we know that they're not done. All right. Well, the most recent episode, which I think this is going to be interesting to talk about, was The Outpost. And we finally get Crosshair back because Crosshair is sent on a mission with... uh, um, a new a, a, obviously a new officer he's a um and one that does not like clones mm-hmm. so, which is really interesting we're now i mean it's it's now like a like not just a i don't like clones but i mean it's almost a you know a classist slash you know you know racist whatever you want it's i mean it's that kind of ugliness hate for the clones um so anyway he goes to to this outpost um and crosshair just has a uh, he i think his eyes become open again um i don't know i'm just gonna leave it at that and let let the conversation start there's a lot of stuff that goes on in this episode but i thought it was a good one there's a lot to say about um his character and his growth and 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 how these um these episodes are, are to be cherished. Um, my two favorite episodes of the se- of the season by far are Crosshair centric uh, episodes. I think it was episode three um, where we saw him and we saw his reaction uh, interactions with Commander Cody and that desperation to feel like he belonged to something um, and and connected with people and it's sort of just being snatched away from him. Um, and, 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 and under the understanding of that for him comes full circle here where, okay, fine. I'll deal with it because I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to fit in. I'm still trying to find a purpose for myself. Um, this is what I do. I do it well. I'm okay with, you know, being second class or whatever, because this is familiar. Um, it took an extreme set of circumstances in this episode for him to kind of, as you said, see the light. Um, it, it, I have to carry a dying clone across this frozen wasteland, nearly die myself, and extol all of this effort and, and get to the end of the line and have this sniveling, bureaucratic pathetic person 
kill this man in front of me, essentially. And tell me, like, dare me. Like, what are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. I just think it was incredibly powerful. I mean, like, that makes sense to me from a storytelling. What what we know about his character and what he's been through and how he has cast his lot in a certain way against the people that he used to serve with um, in favor of this organization, again, because it's familiar and it, and it, it, it provides a sense of uh, purpose or belonging to him. Uh, he did all of these things. He did not do them lightly for us to come around to this point. It would, it would have to be something for severe for him to just completely um, decide like, this is not for me anymore. So it's not. I, I agree with you a hundred percent, everything you said. And I think those are my two favorite episodes as well. My question Fredo to you is going to be, are those two episodes spread out too far in the overall series would have would they have been more effective had they been maybe only one episode between them you know rather than about four you know yeah the the three the two at the on the planet with the uh, with the mine and then the one with metamorphosis yeah i wonder if that might be the case but also because we only have four episodes left this season. So I wonder if this is maybe the beginning of the push towards the, the season finale for the story. Um, I Because uh, you're right, because there is clearly a connection between the two clone conspiracy episodes and this one, which is speaking about how the clones are being, fa- not just faced out, pushed out. We see it at the start of this episode where, you know, these Imperial officers are talking to the clones and they're like, what the heck are we going to do to go the clones? They're like, well, you're a citizen of the Empire. You can do whatever you want. And they're like, we were born and bred for battle. We were literally created to serve the Republic back then, but not the Empire. And this is what they know how to do. It's not like they can take what they do and go become, you know, something else. There's there's something powerful there, a, a, a correlation regarding how governments and people treat veterans. Yep. And the, the kind of and the kind of reality that veterans face once all the training that they receive and all the skills that they gain do not translate to a pacifist, non-combative lifestyle, which is what most civilians live. Uh, it's interesting that it comes from Crosshair's point of view because Crosshair, if we remember, didn't just reject, they didn't just side with the Empire once. He did it twice. He's done it. He did it in the initial arc when the Bad Batch broke away. And then he did it, I mean, he's been hunting them. And then he did it again at the end of season one when they were all standing on the destroyed platform of Camino and he chose to stay and not leave with his brothers. So now it's very much, it's interesting because he almost builds a bond with the other clone, Mayday, that's similar akin to the bond that he had built with the Bad Batch. There's something about it because they're recognizing each other, veterans, warriors, people who have been doing this for so long and are just tired of being mistreated and then for him to do all that to see Mayday go through all this and then die at his feet because the bureaucrat who's got a high in them doesn't really care for them and just is more interested in his data pad and getting his boxes back and just mistreats them well that really sends him over the edge so it's it's an interesting way of discussing a lot of serious issues but in a Star Wars kind of way well, and I also think that uh, um, 
what crosshair is having to crosshair has always been very black and white you know mm-hmm. it's and what he's you know coming the other the other clones in well i mean the other clones actually but especially in in the in clone force 99 they've recognized their humanity and their role as a soldier and um crosshair has lost all sense of humanity since you know the the first episode of the bad batch when he you know when order 66 happened um and so he's he's coming to that realization that i can be a good soldier and care about people because he saw like you said he, he saw mayday you know putting up helmets and honoring his fallen brothers whereas before you know uh with crosshair it was just that's 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 part of the you know part of the business that's what happens um so you remember you remember when we first you remember when we first meet clone force 99 in that final in that first arc of uh season seven of clone wars yeah and he's and he's uh looking down on cody and rex going like you know we know we don't usually work with regs yeah it's a far, you know, he's gone on a long way well, from that character. And getting back to the episode Dave was talking about with Cody, the beginning of that episode showed him basically in a cell. It was his quarters, but he was basically in a cell. I mean, it was, and it was shot in a way to make you, to make it look like he is alone. Nobody gives a dang about him. And, you know, Again, it's the I think so. I think all those things, and it just came to a head. My only criticism, like I said, is that they put too much distance between those two episodes. I don't think they had to be back to back, but I would have liked to maybe have seen at least maybe a a a a, a third episode where so I could see that arc. Um, I think that I I wish they would have done more with Crosshair and you know less with you know some of the politics side of things. But anyway. Um, so, you know, we also see where, you know, the, the, the empire is setting themselves up for failure because they're putting people in charge that have no idea about how to be in charge. They're, you know, bringing in cheaper labor rather than better labor, you know, getting because the clones, if the clones would have, you know, kept, if they would have kept the clones as, you know, soldiers, it might've been a totally different thing. Um, we wouldn't have had the stormtroopers can't shoot type, you know, straight type of thing. Um, but they're, they're getting, like, you so remember they're, what? they're getting cheaper help. They're putting people in charge basically based on, you know, status and nepotism and things like that. So it, it's showing how the, how the empire Empire is not beaten by Wookiees. They beat themselves along, or by, I mean, by Ewoks. They're beating themselves, you know, when they start setting up shop. You remember uh, back in Rebels when Rex and uh, um, mentions about the quality of the Stormtrooper armor when they when they sneak into another base, him and uh, uh, and um, got his name now. <laughs> oh, Kane. Uh, yeah. Kanan, thank you. You know, when they're going in and he's talking about how, you know, Stormtrooper armor's cheap, it's light, there's not stuff in it, whereas he's talking about comparing it to Clone Trooper armor. Yeah, because the Clone Troopers are being outfitted to go into a battlefield. The Stormtroopers are, even though they're an army, they're more expected they're to overwhelm anybody force. they meet by with numbers. Yeah, they're expected yeah. to overwhelm with numbers and 
they're not supposed to be anywhere near the level that the clone troopers are. And it shows, and you're right. Maybe if they had the clones on in Endor, uh, things are not different. But we'll never know. So again, the 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 way this episode ended, um, Crosshair loses consciousness and then wakes up in the um, cloning facility. And he, if he cooperates, he might survive. Right. Where are we going with this? <laughs> um, are they going to outfit him with another control chip? Or are we are we going towards some other sort of modification or enhancement with him potentially? Are like, they just going to torture the guy as a prisoner? Or what are we, like part clone, know? part Zillow beast? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's, yeah, it's interesting. It, it leaves you with any kind of... Cause you're not supposed to know what they're doing. You just know, okay, they might be trying to extract whatever makes them special, you know, in order to replicate it. But then they're also facing out the clones. That That's what creates this duality of interest with this story. So on the one hand, the Empire is very publicly looking to get rid of the clone army that's been fighting for years. On the other hand, in a secret manner, the Emperor is looking to continue cloning operations and find a way to cheat death. So why the two? Why why not hide in plain sight? So I wonder if you know, we know that the stormtroopers are going to come because that's what we see in episode four. But I wonder how they're going to explain that. How they're going to square that circle. You how are they going to explain why they're doing those two things? I'm going to get I'm going to get all New Orleans here for a second. But as you were talking, Dave, it struck me that the cloners, I'm getting some serious uh, Madame LaLaurie Lalo- vibes. Mm. You know, like, are we going, it, you know, what are they doing with Crosshair? It, it may be a let's, you know, let's experiment. Like I, I was, I said part clone, part Zillow Beast, but that may be because it's like, hey, we can now do whatever the heck we want because the Emperor yeah. ain't going to stop us, you know, and it's, uh, you know, we don't have any regulations. We can just, you know, do these things. But I will. I mean, I will say that it is not a hundred percent clear if the Camino cloners are working for the Empire. Is it? We not haven't. Yet. We haven't seen no. like an Imperial officer overseeing them. We've seen, I that we've seen the Camino people. Well, no, there has been a an Imperial officer who just introduced this last episode, isn't there? Um, yeah, it's the question isn't so much, you know, is there an imperial presence there, but is it, are they, how willing a participants are they going yeah. to be in this? And is, um, so like I said, there might be some sick, uh, you know, experimentation that's going on here, but, you know, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, your, your former prime minister, um, we don't know his whole angle. Like we said, he may be holding things back at this point. Um, you know, he's, how how much incentive does he actually have to go along with what they want? Um, and I think like that's the sort of palace intrigue that we're going to have yet is like how much resistance will they see from within? 
uh, on this operation. And eventually, you know that, um, okay, we need uh, we need Omega. So that that's the next step for them, right? We got to get Omega here. And you know the Bad Batch won't take that line down. Um, and so there'll be conflict that arises out of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's some fun things that we could see unfold in the coming episodes. Like I said, yeah, we got four episodes left. So the we got Pabu tomorrow, Tipping Point the week after, and then we have a two-episode season finale at the end of March, The Summit and Plan 99. So maybe we'll get a couple of answers uh, by that point. What was it? Uh, the like one of the worst movies ever made was uh, was it Plan Nine from Outer Space? Is that what it was? Oh, Planet Nine. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, well, we only have a couple hours before the next episode of The Bad Batch comes out, so I mean, we'll know more tomorrow. Um, but I would not be a bit surprised if we don't see a bit of crosshair tomorrow. We see something <laughs> totally different. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, you know. It, that just is my nerdy curriculum and instruction, you know, degree that scope and sequence matters to me. Um, and sometimes it seems like, uh, these, uh, animated series, especially clone wars, that was not in a good sequence. It was enjoyable. Um, but it's very confusing to watch, um, from a timeline perspective. And sometimes the scope gets way too big, but anyway, we shall see tomorrow, and uh, and then also a new episode of The Mandalorian comes out tomorrow. Um, we're recording this on a Tuesday, obviously. Um, so we will uh, see you next week and talk about what we saw on Wednesday. So until then, I think we will just say have a happy St. Patrick's Day. Be safe. Enjoy yourself. And uh, may... Uh, the Saints organization try to find a new defensive line since all their defensive line is going to other NFC South teams. So we'll, we'll talk, we'll see how free agency unfolds. But until then, we will say who dat? Who dat? Everybody have a great, great week. My country.